What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy holidays to you. This is December 1st. I'm Gary Mans. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Delighted to be with you. Christmas month, and closing out the year and doing it in style as in a few moments we're going to talk with the walking encyclopedia of Hollywood history, Jeffrey Mark. But first, let's say hello to bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. When we say bad boy, we don't want to imply that he's going to have coal in his stocking, but who knows? That's a decision above my pay grade, Benny. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas! That's not bad. Thank you. That's really not bad. Not bad. You probably didn't rehearse it either. That's nah, it was like a combination too. there, I think, with some Very other nice. characters. I'll, yeah. I'll work it out later. Hat top, hat top, hat tip to the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Two things happened. There are predictions I made to myself that came true. One, the Cowboys were going to win that game. Mm -hmm. They're undefeated at home this year, as I recall. And uh, secondly, the Seahawks were going to give them all that they could handle. And they did. Yep. You got a ding for getting the answer right. Yes. And another one for yes, them losing. And okay, we're still going to be proud Hawk fans. They gave it their best and fell a little short. It's all good. Six and six. We're doing okay. Excellent. Excellent. We are so looking forward to our conversation today. But before I introduce our guest, I have to ask you, Benny Mm -hmm. Mathers, Mm -hmm. do you have one, two, three favorite Christmas movies? Only three? Okay. I'll go with three because we've got a short show. Uh, And I also used to work a blockbuster (laughs) video for like six straight years. So that kind of helps. And me and deciding my films, although maybe it pushes it back a little bit. I'll always go with the throwback of Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown. Because okay. it's just a staple. Uh, Home yep. Alone. Uh-huh. Just because I love Macaulay Culkin. He's a little, little uh-huh. dude. Grew up on him. And then it's a toss-up between Elf okay, uh-huh. and The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, Tim very yep. good. It's, very it's good. on the edge there. Okay. Did I make well, the cut? Are those are those decent like answers for you? Those are wonderful. Thank you. Answers. Okay, those good. Because I want to give myself answers. an applause there because that's all I needed. Thank you. Good job. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good job, Benny. <laughs> we are so happy to once again be talking to Jeffrey Mark. Gary called him the walking encyclopedia of show business history. He has had quite a few accolades lately that we want to ask him about. But let me give him a brief intro. He is a singer, stand-up comedian in nightclubs and cabarets, and an off-Broadway veteran. He has hosted radio series, written comedy, and now writes and produces documentaries and reality shows for cable television. He has also written three best-selling books devoted to Lucille Ball, Ella Fitzgerald, and Ethel Merman. If If it's to be known, Jeffrey Mark knows it. And he has received some recent huge, huge, huge accolades. So welcome to Manson Mitchell, Jeffrey Mark. Good to have you with us today. Happy holidays. 
He's way better than me. He's way he better that. than me. And he, and he did that without rehearsing, apparently. No, no rehearsal at all. Amazing. Jeffrey, it's, uh, congratulations are in order. Why yes. don't you articulate the Please. reasons why? Oh, gosh, golly, Will. Um, no, I, I've been, it's been a very fortunate few weeks in my life. I received a special, um, appreciation or recognition from the United States Congress for my lifetime of charity work, uh, a similar one from the state assembly of California for my lifetime of charity work. Maybe I turn 65. They think I'm old. This is the time to do these things. Um, I am, a, I'm a billboard boy this week, uh, all over the country. Uh, another show, not in competition with yours, but another show, the, the guy who does his show decided the best way to sell it was to put my face on billboards across the country. Uh, I've been turned into a cartoon strip or comic strip character called showbiz guru where they've, uh, made me look a lot younger and thinner than I am. And uh, I'm here with you and it's holiday time. Doesn't get any better than that, Jesse. Yeah. Well, you know what? To be, to, to be honest, that is a wonderful honor. Wonderful. To, to be honest, I think the Emmy and the Grammy were a little bit more exciting, but just a little <laughs> but 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 you know, no recognition from Congress and, and that, that's just that's, yeah. amazing. Amazing. In your charity work, which I don't think we've ever talked with you about, we always talk show business when we have you on because you know so much about it. And it's so fascinating to, you know, be on the outside looking in and you're on the inside telling us what's going on. Um, what have you been involved in multiple charities or have you concentrated on a few? What, when you were getting recognized, was there something in particular they were acknowledging? Um, that they didn't tell me what their motivations were. I just said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But, um, gosh, how do I make a long story short and not dull for our wonderful friends listening? Where where would if people were to recognize something that you've done and say, oh yeah, he did that, what would be that kind of a thing? Well, I think the biggest charity thing I've done uh, was helping to raise money back in the 1980s when AIDS first happened mm. and no one knew what was going on. Uh, a woman by the name of Dr. Matilda Krim came to me and said, hey. I think I can make these people live longer with better quality of life. But I've been to the president, the governor, and the mayor. No one will give me any money. Can you help? And I put on three or four years in a row in New York City, live. I don't mean on television. I mean live. 10-hour mm -hmm. variety shows. Wow. And I produced them. I hosted them. Wow. I performed them. And a bevy of other people helped, like Joe Papp from the public theater, helped us out. Uh, the money we raised, the thousands and thousands of dollars we raised, Dr. Krim took to Elizabeth Taylor, and they started AMFAR with that. AMFAR now has, I believe, $1.6 billion out there. And uh, I got them the seed money that started it. So uh, that that might be the motivation for the recognition. But I had to mm. pick one thing. Yeah. 
Well, that's that's a really, really big thing. Ten, 10 hour variety shows, people who are in the New York area, they would all know about that if they oh, were yeah. oh, we had, alive in the 80s. Absolutely. That's thousands a big deal. and thousands of, thousands of people showed up and uh, yeah. local mm. merchants gave us stuff to sell for free. And yeah, it was a it was a big deal back then. And uh, like I said, I, I've been doing charity work since I was in elementary school. It just always seemed to me. Whatever good fortune I had, it was incumbent upon me to uh, reach out to other people who weren't as fortunate, no matter what my personal circumstances happened to be. I started it back then. I'm doing it to this day. And uh, I think it's something everybody should be doing. Was it a, a family philosophy or was it something you kind of came to on your own? My maternal grandparents believed in giving back. I guess they had a good example for me, but really it was always in my heart. I, I always, hmm. I remember being very, very tiny little boy and knowing in my heart that giving to other people is, is what we should all be called to do. And, uh, hmm. Unlike some people, perhaps, I got off my uh, chair <laughs> and uh, got out and did it. So yeah, yeah. I think that's wonderful. I yeah. I want to just exclaim, it's a mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> it and is indeed a blessing. Yes, sir. Oh, and you're a blessing, Jeffrey. I also, thinking back to those times in the mid-80s, there, I can still recall, it might have been on the cover of a magazine, People Weekly, perhaps, Elizabeth Taylor standing in support side by side with Rock Hudson. There, and this, yes. They wanted yeah. to bring it to the people, get people to understand what was happening as far as we could know. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, Miss Taylor, you can say you enjoyed her work, you didn't enjoy her work, or people make fun of her weight gains and losses or how many men she married. But what she did, what what she and Dr. Krim did with, with the money I helped them raise, saved millions and millions of lives. It, it, it is why you don't hear the word AIDS anymore. You hear the word HIV, that people are positive or negative. But there are men and women and children today who are alive because of what they were able to accomplish with that money. And if I was a little part of that, I'm very grateful. That is wonderful. Congratulations. Very nice, Jeffrey. Thank you. Well, it is holiday season. It's holiday season. And Gary and I were talking about the uh, effect uh, of movies on our culture. Like if you if you looked before movies were ever made, it would be something like our our culture was all about, say, Christmas cookies or Christmas trees or or whatever whatever it was that was culturally uh, done in the 1700s and 1800s. All of a sudden, the 1900s came along, and we have movies. And we thought, who better to talk about that with us than Jeffrey Mark? And especially holiday movies, which have become part of our culture. We asked Benny, what were your favorite movies? At least the top three. He says he's got more than that. And so um, he gave us a list. And so we not only wanted to ask you about your favorite movies, but just about Christmas movies in general and the part how we have incorporated that 
into our holidays now. You have asked a magnificent question because I don't think that Americans, uh, all of North America, really understand where our Christmas traditions come from in this country. Up until the late 1800s, Christmas was a much smaller thing. I don't mean it had less meaning or mm. a less uh, of a religious tone or that churches did not celebrate very much. But in people's homes, you know, there, there was no radio, there was no television, there were no movies. So family traditions went from one generation to the next. The Christmas tree, the tinsel, uh, the songs, a lot of that came from Germany with our German immigrants into the United States. And a lot of it came from our Irish immigrants who came to the United States. So when, when we think of how America sees Christmas, the Santa Claus going ho, 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 and a lot of that came from movies. See, when people, when they first started putting Christmas on a screen so that everybody in the back then 46 states when movies first got started, for the first time all saw one kind of experience. And people began to emulate that experience they'd seen on the screen. Later, they'd heard on radio or they saw on television. So a lot of what we do is really only about the last 120 years or so. Before that, Christmas was more your family, your church, and uh, perhaps a little more religious, a little less uh, of a party shall we say right a little less secular i can i can remember things that i i read about christmases years ago that there wasn't this great abundance of uh, store-bought wrapped gifts that you you might put an orange in a little sack or a couple of nuts or some little homemade craft and there might have been one gift exchanged you know, here, here's a, an, an apple, maybe a caramel apple, you know, right. here's an apple that, that is for you. And so it wasn't about, um, you know, gift after gift after gift and racing through the stores. It was about what did you have around your house that you might want to share with somebody and, you know, maybe some canned there, jelly or something. There were no credit cards back then. Right. Uh, and people's income on the whole, was much lower. They had to survive the month of December financially. So you're absolutely correct. Homemade yeah. candies, homemade cakes. That's where the whole fruitcake thing came from because the liquor in the cake would keep the cake fresh for a long right. time. So right. you were giving them, ooh, I can have a slice once a month if I want to. It, it, it's only in the 20th century when... <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna make a fruitcake remark. I can tell by the look of his All right. face. We, we found we will... an, they found it. They found an uneaten one in King Tut's tomb, and it was delicious. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> although cursed. <laughs> uh, sorry for the interruption. Please oh, continue, no. sir. As soon as you mention fruitcake, he gets that look on his face. <laughs> hey, at least he wasn't looking at me. Okay, it's, it's okay. <laughs> 
but but with the advent of the talking picture especially the talking pictures so from the late 1920s on right uh and you had a very now friends out there i am not assailing any special group of people i'm just telling you how it was and i will share but i'm jewish if that helps the stories at all but basically what you had were a bunch of movie studios which had very recently located to the west coast from the east coast that were all pretty much owned by jewish men and they hired both jewish and christian writers to write holiday movies because they felt that at christmas time they'd sell well and uh, they weren't wrong about it so what came out of hollywood was a very stylized um almost all the films we're talking about are going to talk about today have one thing in common that somehow whatever the troubles or trevise that the characters had oh it's christmas and it's all going to be okay how many of these movies had someone saying this is going to be the best christmas ever <laughs> stylized the the films so that yeah. christmas the christmas films so many of them have a fantasy element to them or a slightly supernatural wink at the audience that however you perceive god god has made this happen and he's made it happen for the better and everybody's going to be living happily ever after and that's the majority of the 20th century christmas films in this century uh, people have gotten a little darker with some of the films they made and you have elements of horror christmas films and slasher christmas films and uh, unhappy very unhappy christmas films I don't think we as people should count on our films to reflect reality. They're there to entertain us. Right. And the films and a couple of TV shows where I'm eliminating TV shows from our discussion only because there have been what, how many thousands of television shows on through the year. Almost all of them have a Christmas episode. Right. Or old fashioned variety show christmas specials we'd be here until easter talking about them but the films are just lovely they're fun they're well written they're well acted they're well crafted which is why if in some of these cases almost 90 years later we're still watching them every year when I went to look up films, I, I had probably a dozen or 20 in my head. And when I went to the internet, I asked them to be sorted by year, and I was blown away by the 132 they came up with. You mentioned the late 1920s. The first film on uh, in, listed on the internet was The Little Match Girl from 1928. And in the 1930s, the one that was listed was Babes in Toyland with Laurel and Hardy. But I found myself liking the movies from the 40s. And I didn't write all of them down. But of the ones that I like from the 1940s, 
1940, The Shop Around the Corner, Jimmy Stewart, that was later, uh, later redone as You've Got Mail. And um, 1942, Holiday Inn, where they introduced the song White Christmas. 1944, Meet Me in St. Louis with my favorite holiday song by Judy Garland. 1945, Christmas in Connecticut. 1946, It's a Wonderful Life. 1947, Miracle on 34th Street, also redone in 1994. And in 1947, also The Bishop's Wife, which was also redone as The Preacher's Wife with Whitney Houston in 1996. But as I was looking at, at the list of movies, I, I thought, I really like the ones from the 40s. Well, there's a reason for that. As the 1940s started, we got involved in a terrible war. And the the Hollywood studios, perhaps at that one moment in time, more than ever, were producing films that were meant to lift up the populace, to be perhaps a little more fantastic, a little more of a fantasy, where really and truly everything ends up, oh, we're so happy at the end of the movie. Um, you mentioned great films. Some of them, some of them are on my list. Some of them weren't only because uh, Christmas, as you said a little earlier in the program, the the show what those some of those movies weren't about Christmas. It's right. just that Christmas happened to be in right. the film. Yeah, and uh, of course, I love the music from that time. Also, mm. so when you have Irving Berlin writing uh christmas music and he did more than one song that we recognize as a christmas song uh shop around the corner it's not really a christmas movie and then you know judy garland and van johnson remade it as a musical at mgm mm. so so there's there's that element i tried to pick films because uh, i don't want to just read off names to people i want to talk about the films I tried to pick films where Christmas was more than just an excuse for the plot. And I also kept my choices to pretty much the 1930s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Okay. Uh, because I believe that's when the best Christmas movies were made. Uh, I, I, I put no disparaging remarks about all the wonderful Christmas movies made since then. But the, the movie studios were at such a height of their economic success and powers, had such incredible actors available to be in these films. It is why they still stand up. We're still watching them and we're still talking about them. Um, it's a Wonderful Life. There have been several books written about that film trying to explain why did we watch it so much? Well, there is a secret to that. Uh, every once in a while, Hollywood makes a mistake and they made a mistake with the film. The owners of the copyright let it go out of copyright. So in the 1960s and 70s and 80s, local television stations, back when local television stations were independent and actually programmed their own stuff, they had this free movie. But they could show over and over and over again and not pay a cent for it. 
I remember in New York City, where I grew up and in my early adulthood, three or four different stations would show that film sometimes at the same time opposite each other because it was free for everybody. (laughs) So, you know, it's like, you know, why do we watch I Love Lucy? Well, because it's brilliant, but also because it was on morning, noon and night and it became part of our personal culture. So I, I think It's a Wonderful Life became part of our personal culture and it is brilliantly written directed um and the actors in it make you believe that what's happening on the screen was real and could very well happen so i i I think it's it's really part of the american head brain because it was so good and because we watched it so many times Absolutely. That's a great explanation and interpretation of a huge slice of worldwide culture, particularly seen through the lens of Hollywood. I will, just outside the framework that you mentioned there, you said to through the 60s, in 1970, my favorite rendition of A Christmas Carol was in the form of a musical, and Ebenezer Scrooge was played by the late, great Albert Finney. There, yes. And I will never forget that film. That really got me. I thought, that's it. That's the quintessence of what Dickens was getting at. And it was in a musical. I just thought it was beautiful. I agree with you. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful film because it's, it's, again, the story of Scrooge, the story of Tiny Tim has been retold so many times through the years that it's almost like babies being born have that as part of their DNA. It's like, ooh, I can't wait to talk so I can tell you how much I love the story I've never really even heard yet. Uh, yeah, but but I I agree with you. Of all the stories, of all the films made of that story, that one was excellent. And you bring up a good point also, and we've touched on it already. Music is the international language. And sometimes a song can convey in 32 bars more than 10 pages of written words can get across. Yes. So some of the films we're talking about today are so memorable because they included a holiday song that said something, that spoke to us. Um, you mentioned earlier uh, Holiday Inn. Well, again, a World War II film, uh, almost all new score by the great Irving Berlin. The song White Christmas is introduced for the first time in that film. Also, the song Happy Holidays also is Irving Berlin. And uh, when you've got Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire stars, how can you possibly go wrong with that? Yeah. yeah. So it's a wonderful Christmas movie. It, it has so much, so many of the cliches we love. It's set in New England. Uh, it's out in the country in a, in a sort of a turn of the century home that's been made into an inn. Of course, the blizzards and the snow and the, the shushing and the horses and the jingle belling and all that stuff. 
that was already becoming outmoded in most of America. Most of America was not riding in sleighs with horses anymore. We had cars. So it was a wonderful fantasy, even then, of times gone by, but brought into a modern time element. One of the things Christmas movies do is they take us back to another time. So many of these films are old-fashioned. I don't mean they're made old-fashionedly, but the setting is old-fashioned. They bring back elements of a much earlier time of how Christmas was celebrated, as if it were still happening today. And those songs by Irving Berlin were incredible. And he did it again, like 15 years later with White Christmas, where it's an almost all-new score. And there's Bing Crosby again with Rosemary Clooney, that wonderful song, Snow, how they're just, they're just, they're just, they can't wait to get to the snow. People love that song. And the idea of a white Christmas and everything is frosty and it's a fantasy, but we love the fantasy. We do love the fantasy. We love the eternality of the holidays. And we are going to get into more movies on the other side of a short break. We're talking with Jeffrey Mark. If it's about Hollywood, then Jeffrey Mark knows about it. Or as he told me one time when we first got to know each other, if I don't know about it, it didn't happen. <laughs> Modesty be thy name, sir. But he has an incredible memory and a bank of knowledge on which we will draw when we come back. We're Manson Mitchell. Glad you joined us. Give us a couple of minutes and we will be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. 
I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell. And we are interviewing Jeffrey Mark today about Christmas movies. Uh, Jeffrey, we we talked a little bit earlier about the uh, recognition that you got for a lifetime of charity work. But if people would like to connect with you, what is the best way that they can do that? And also let our listeners know about your own podcast. Happy to. Well, if you would like to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me on Facebook, Jeffrey Mark. You can get me uh, on Instagram at jeffrey mark because i'm off that that's instagram or twitter i'm on instagram i'm on twitter i'm on facebook type jeffrey mark in you'll find me and thank you for allowing me to plug my own show which is not an interview show it is a music show called jeffrey mark plays ella every week we uh, salute a different part of ella's career i play the music and tell you insider stories about how the music was made and that's available on radio stations around the country. And it's a podcast on every major platform. All right. I'm going to go ahead and spell your name because there's more than one way to spell Jeffrey. And your Jeffrey is G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y. G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y, Mark. Okay. Like, like, like Jeffrey Chaucer. That's how it's spelled. Like Jeffrey Chaucer, right. We We brought you on specifically to talk about movies. However... We, we can't completely ignore the some of the uh, TV specials that happen. And on my list my, of my top favorites is a Charlie Brown Christmas. That, that's one I, I like to watch every year and have been doing so since it first came on. But what, what did you want to talk about with regard to a couple of television shows? Well, first of all, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you about Charlie Brown Christmas. It is brilliantly written. Uh, from an, a, a child's point of view, but also from um, the point of view of people not buying into the Christmas spirit. And despite the fact that it's a cartoon and meant to be funny, there's a darkness that runs through it. And But it's so well handled. Every child should see it. Uh, like I said earlier in the program, there were wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Christmas variety shows hosted by Bing Crosby and Andy Williams. And they were almost annual events, but too many. There's two sitcoms I want to mention. Uh, the first being the Dick Van Dyke show. They brilliantly allowed the cast to appear as their characters on television doing one of those Christmas specials. So you got an inside story of those of you who remember the characters of a Dick Van Dyke show of Rob and Laura and Sally and Buddy singing and dancing and doing comedy about Christmas. Uh, it was Carl Reiner was a friend and a, a genius, a genius at this kind of thing. 
And I think for those of you who have never seen a television variety show Christmas, the Dick Van Dyke show Christmas episode, Alan Brady Presents, it tells you, it shows you how they came about and how fun they were. But there's one I watch every single year and I, I, I implore everybody out there to watch it. The Lucy Show. The Lucy Show was the next sitcom Lucille Ball did after I Love Lucy. And she plays a widow with two kids. Vivian Vance plays her friend Viv, Ethel Mertz originally, with her own kid. They share a house together in suburban New York. And I've never seen this issue addressed anywhere else in the media. Well, it turns out the two ladies have very different cultural and family backgrounds about how they celebrate Christmas. It's never talked about that we don't, as Americans, all celebrate Christmas exactly alike. Because we don't. From house to house and town to town, it's different. And the, the brilliant writers of the original I Love Lucy writers, you know, do you have a modern tree or an old traditional tree? Do you open your presents Christmas Eve or Christmas morning? Who hands them out? Do you have a turkey or do you have a goose? What do you stuff it with? These things may sound trivial, but they're a big part of how every family celebrates the holiday. And they 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 made it into both a comedy and a, a moment of you're going gulp where you're getting choked up watching it as these two women practically destroy each other, trying to be the one who's in charge of everything. And they realized that all they were doing was ruining the intent of the Christmas spirit and how they resolve it. I've just never seen that shown anywhere. You know, being of a Jewish background, for me, Christmas is watching my non-Jewish friends celebrate it. And it, it always not bothered me, but watching how in their own homes, everything was so different. I thought to myself, how come nobody ever, ah, the Lucy show, there it is. So I really think that's something everyone should watch because how they, how they resolve it is the Christmas spirit. Nicely said, sir. Thank you. Um, a Christmas story. I, last year, Suzanne and I did not see it. We were traveling. It was not available where we were. And wow, were we ever disappointed and we swore a vow that we will never let that happen again. I was privileged back in 1983, I believe it was, to see that first run film in a theater. And let me tell you, and it's so well known now, there's no spoiler alert. When Santa puts his boot on Ralphie's forehead and boots him down the slide in the department store, <laughs> the crescendo of laughter in that theater is something not only in which I participated, but I'll never forget it. Well, you know, that, that film goes against a lot of the things I've been talking about. In that it's a modern setting, or at least it was modern early 80s setting. And it reflected how a, your young parents at that moment in time who have smaller children, their, their Christmas adventures. And it wasn't so much steeped in the past as it was, this is the, this is the, the, the cleaned up reality of what Christmas is like for a lot of families. 
and it really struck a nerve. Uh, probably, I think, of, of what I would call the modern films, the films not from the classic movie studios, probably the best. Best written, best made, best intentioned. Uh, like I talked about a moment ago about the Lucy show, that film lands on Christmas issues that I don't think have been uh, explored elsewhere. Hmm. Well, it's it's one of my favorites, and it's one I like to watch every year, uh, along with It's a Wonderful Life. I like to watch A Christmas Story, and they run it here for 24 hours on Christmas Eve. <laughs> So we just plan on Christmas Eve that for one of the two-hour segments of 24 hours, we're just going to sit and watch it and laugh. You know, we are in this year very blessed. For those who enjoy watching Christmas film, films and television shows, now that there are platforms on which to watch things, they're available for weeks, 24, you can Turn on a wonderful Christmas something or other, 24 hours a day. Yeah. yeah. And they show all the things we're talking about. And God bless Darren McGavin as the father. Is it true? Because I read this online, so, you know, fact check me, please, Jeffrey Mark. Was that, had Bob Clark, the director, gotten his way, did he want that role that Darren McGavin delivered so beautifully to be played by Jack Nicholson? That was the original casting thought. Uh, for, for those of you who don't know, uh, times have changed. We, 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 we've mentioned classic Hollywood over and over again. In classic Hollywood, the studios owned everything. And you, you were on a weekly salary to the studio as a director, as a writer, and as an actor. So you did what you were told. But since that no longer happens, and that's since the late 60s, they have to put together a production deal to get it made and they have to sort of pre-cast it to sell it so part of the pre-sale of this to get it made was oh and we're gonna get jack nicholson to play this part uh no you're not but it was a wonderful way to sell the movie darren darren mcgavin uh was perfect for the role at that moment in his life uh, because he had fallen on harder times as an actor. He wasn't the big star he had been. And he was happy to be part of an ensemble cast playing a dad. I don't think in 1983, Jack Nicholson would have wanted that for his career. Uh, he was still trying to portray the young stud in his films. So it, it was a, a good idea, That, but but how it turned out was pretty darn good. Oh, absolutely. Jack Nicholson, you loved him in The Shining. Now, a Christmas story. Right. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe Daddy really would kill Ralphie in that case. <laughs> <laughs> oh. There, there movie, is, go ahead. Yeah, no, there, there is a film a lot of people have not seen. And it is not specifically a Christmas movie, but there, there is a great uh, fantasy element, and it happens at Christmas. And it's a wonderful film, The Great Rupert. Uh, it stars Jimmy Durante. And of course, just tell me he's in a film, I want to watch it. 
And the great Rupert was his performing squirrel who, who helps save Christmas and helps save their home. It is so well done. The fantasy elements were provided by George Powell, who was an amazing animator and uh, not just of, of cartoons and things, but uh, stop motion, make, making things move that wouldn't normally move, sort of making inanimate objects come to life. Uh, if you've never seen it, I don't think our hosts have seen it because they're, they're sort of like, what's that? Uh, look it up. It's available on several platforms. It's, it's, it's the uh, out-of-the-way restaurant you didn't know existed but has really good food you've never had. So I highly recommend that one. There may be a number of movies like that because I, I noticed when I was reviewing the titles of 100 movies, many of those I had never heard of. And I wasn't sure whether they were set at Christmas time or they were about Christmas, but there are so many movies to, to see that, um, you know, you could, you know, you could find those little gems if you, if you watch something that, that isn't just, you know, commercially on every night. That, you have, you, you've mentioned true. the film before the Bishop's wife. You know, Cary Grant, Loretta Young, David Niven. Again, how can you go wrong? And yeah. Cary Grant was able to make you believe that he was an angel from heaven uh, because <laughs> of his splendid talent and warmth. Yeah. yeah. But then there are movies that are made specifically for children. And here's another obscure one. The Christmas That Almost Wasn't. It's a mm. film from the mid-60s. It is written by and stars uh, a man who had been a children's show host. And uh, with Rosanna Brazzi, of all people, as his co-writer, made this wonderful, directly-for-children film uh, about how one year Santa Claus almost didn't make it. I don't know that adults would sit through it with glee, but if you have little children, put them in front of that television set and rot, make, make, not make them, but make it available for them to watch because they're not trying to pander to whole families. It really is just for kids. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, Christmas vacation, <laughs> Chevy Chase. You know, that that whole National Lampoon vibe, right. that's another way to look at Christmas. But it also brings up the element of stress. And when things go wrong, the world doesn't stop being the world, though we do. We pause and take a breath at the holidays. Thank goodness for that. But stuff happens regardless. And they seem to happen a lot to Chevy Chase in these movies. <laughs> well, again, having been an outsider to Christmas growing up, when I became an adult and spent Christmas with dear, with dear friends and loved ones and watched people struggling financially to pay for everything, struggling to figure out who they can invite, struggling to get all the food made and get the tree put up properly and the lights outside. And Christmas can be for many people, very, very stressful. Uh, and then for people who have no families, or no extra money, 
it can also be very, very sad. But uh, I, I, I believe that was Chevy Chase's best work in films. Yeah, he was. He was terrific. All so these wonderful. You, you, you mentioned a couple of TV shows, but I didn't want to end the hour without maybe you're you're saying, are there a couple of movies that you just wouldn't miss every year as well? Ooh, good question. Uh, every year I try. Don't always succeed. I try to see It's a Wonderful Life. I try to see White Christmas. I try to see Holiday Inn. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Christmas in Connecticut with Barbara Stanwyck. I try, I try to catch that one. The Bishop's Wife, just for the performances. Yeah. Uh, it's it's magical. And uh another one that a lot of people don't know about, it happened on Fifth Avenue. Oh, yes. Oh, we gosh, we yes. love that. We were talking about that the other night. Yeah, yeah, they, they had it on cable it TV, on. but it was so late we couldn't stay up. I've seen it before. I love it. It's yeah. it's a very early performance by Gail Storm, who those mm -hmm. of us who were old enough to remember her being a very big television star in the 1950s and 60s. The holidays are not easy for me personally. And maybe those of you out here who are listening can understand it. Uh, my partner passed away five years ago. Stepkids, grandchildren live in other parts of the country. So quite often I'm spending Christmas alone. I don't know if it's because people think I'm Jewish and wouldn't want to spend Christmas with them or just how it works out. So actually my Christmas every year is 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 eating some really tasty foods and watching all these movies and TV shows we've been talked about and talking about. Uh, mm -hmm. It's how I choose to celebrate the holiday. Uh, it isn't lost on me, the real meaning of Christmas, that is a celebration which is very personal and very dear to so many people of the birth of Jesus Christ. And I think what all these films, all everything we've talked about, to put a button on it, have in common is hope. No matter what you watch, the one thing that runs through all of these things is no matter how bad things are, there's always hope. And I don't know about you, but I can't hear that there's hope often enough. Yes. Oh, man, you are right. You are right. Yeah. And that's the eternality of it. That Yeah, I was you hoping you want... would describe that. Yes. You, well, you know, hope. You don't want to lose hope. Hope is, is a virtue that requires no explanation. You carry it in your heart. And if it reaches your mind and becomes an idea, look at what you're being celebrated for, Jeffrey. I don't mean to embarrass you, but you are a candle of hope with what you do in the world. And God bless you for it. Mr. Mark will let you know when Mr. Mark has been embarrassed. <laughs> hope, and I'll throw another word in, faith. And again, uh, there's been very little in, in movies about Christmas. That Christian, the word, I'm a Christian, they almost never talk about the individual denominations. They'll mention Catholics or Episcopalians. But nowhere do you hear this is a movie about Methodists or Assembly of God or, you know, Lutherans. That's all kind of left out. And every one of those denominations has their own traditions and their own teachings and uh I think Americans need to be reminded that 
these big umbrella titles we put ourselves under, we're a bunch of individual folks and we're all different and we all need hope and we all need faith irrespective of what your faith is. And uh, we all want tomorrow to be brighter than today, no matter what our circumstances. And I think that's something all of these holiday movies portray. Stick in there, stick with it. It's going to get better. Don't let a current circumstance get you down. And however you get to that, is it's really good for you. And I think these holiday movies are almost a public service sometimes. Well, that's a nice way of putting that. You know, you were saying that you enjoyed the uh, getting some really great food and watching movies. And I don't think you're alone in that. Uh, you know, Gary and I have done some of that same thing. We we kind of did that even for Thanksgiving. It was just the two of us. We had a little meal. We were watching football. You can you can have those movies be uh, inspirational. They can be your companions. They are absolutely part of our culture now for a hundred years, and it and I think it is part of our Christmas tradition to enjoy the movies and allow them to speak to us and be with us at holiday time. Well, I I have through the years, many times been asked to sing at churches, to sing some of the music that came from these films. And I always say, yes, if I'm asked, I've been to midnight mass at St. Patrick's cathedral in New York. I respect the holiday. I embrace its message. And uh, I think everyone, irrespective of your background, can enjoy a little Christmas in their lives. Well said. Yeah, I try to say things well. That's how I get paid. <laughs> <laughs> and we have enough time for you to tell us once again about your podcast, Jeffrey, if you would, please. God bless you, folks. Jeffrey Mark plays Ella, or GPE, as we call it in internally here. Every week we pick Ella and Cole Porter or Ella and Duke Ellington or Ella in the movies. And I will play the music from whatever that is. And because I know just about everything Ella ever said and did, I tell you how the music was made and why it's important to her canon. Uh, we're about to start season three and I couldn't be happier about it. I love doing it. Can be found success to you. It, yeah. It's great doing something you love, and it can be found on radio stations or as a podcast on every platform. So it's Excellent. out there, folks. Come, come, and we have a, an Ella Fitzgerald Christmas special we do every year. So Christmas week, you can hear Ella sing this music too. Good. Thank you, Thank Jeffrey you, Mark. Jeffrey. Always a pleasure. We must do this again, regardless of season. And we will. I will be on as often <laughs> as you'll have me. Thank All you, right. sir. Thank you. Happy holidays, everybody. And to you. Next up, we have uh, Robin Alexis. Yes. And then at one o'clock Pacific, American Road Trip Talk. Holiday lights, festivities in Western Washington. Give us a listen and have yourselves a great weekend, everyone.